everybody. Welcome to the Hidden Gems Podcast on Rachel's Reviews. We're so excited to have you with us. And today we are diving into a new streaming service that we have not covered on this podcast yet. We're talking about Tubi TV and it's very fun. We're looking forward to it. And I'm film critic Rachel Wagner and Ryan is here. Uh, hey, Rachel. So great to be back with you once again. Uh, this is my uh, this is my favorite thing to do uh, uh, this is my favorite thing to do, talking about movies with you on this podcast. And uh, so whenever I, whenever I get to do this, I get a little extra pep in my step and it just, it just makes me smile. And today is especially exciting because we're talking about, we're talking about Tubi. We're making uh, one small step for man, one giant leap for Tubi kind. I have no <laughs> idea where that analogy was going, but I'm sure our, I'm sure everybody knows my point. Very good. Yes, I think so. And uh, yes, so this was requested by a number of people that they said we, we got to review Tubi, we got to review Tubi, and and uh, it's a streaming service uh, that is free, free service, and uh, you can enjoy a whole bunch of films. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about our feelings about the service. I mean, you can't complain too much because it's free. Uh, but um, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. So uh, how have you been doing? I've been uh, enjoying your no- this November, November weather and uh, November time here. Uh, yeah. Uh, my my one complaint is that daylight savings time is hit, and by six o'clock it is completely pitch black, and I don't know how to take it because it's just like it's like. Why, are, why is it dark? It's not even 6.15 and I can't see my hand in front of my face. Yeah, daylight savings time. <laughs> Ruins every time, right? Uh, well, all right. Well, let's talk about Tubi. So when you take a look at this, this is an app that you can download. Uh, what did you think overall of this service? Well, when it comes to most free streaming services, there's a part of me that's like, oh boy, like, lower your standards just a tad because when it comes to free services it's they normally have on their advertisements like a couple big movies and then literally that's about it then they have like shark Puss versus mega mega gator or just very very bad christian movies and awful monster movies and i love monster movies but even i have standards and it's <laughs> it, it's just you gotta you gotta like take it all with a grain of salt but I was actually surprised that I found, I found enough on Tubi to where I was like, I actually had to cut some. And I don't think it was something like say HBO Max or one of, or Netflix or anything like that. But when I was going through it, I was like, I could easily make like a, like a 10 recommendation list because there were some that made it to the cutting room floor. And I'll just, I'll talk about one of them. It was Apocalypto, which was the movie from Mel Gibson. Uh, that was from around the time when he uh, made those very awful comments about everything like that. And Apocalypto uh, is a is is actually a pretty good movie. It's uh, it's told all in Mayan, but it all but it all has subtitles, and it's a very well made movie. All the action is absolutely pristine, and just it, it's a very good movie. But I don't think people would be necessarily up for a an action movie where everybody is speaking ancient Mayan. So mm-hmm. it was just a matter of, you know, okay, maybe that's left to, uh, 
maybe that's left on the back burner. And then I also found V for Vendetta on there, which is an excellent movie, but everyone I've spoken to has nothing but high praise for it. So it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily hidden. Yeah, there's some really acclaimed movies that I just have right now with them being so busy, I haven't had a chance to to watch them. Like Zero Dark Thirty is on Tubi, uh, and uh, so that you know that's very highly praised. I just so busy, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Uh, yeah, but um, twelve point five million Christmas movies you got to watch and eventually right. you are not going to watch and review themselves. No, they don't. <laughs> Yes. Uh, and I do think that this is probably the roughest <laughs> selection that I've had to pick from of any of the sources that we've looked at. Uh, but particularly, I thought the kids section was was really rough, like a lot of of uh, cheap copycats of Pixar movies, you know, with like these uh, or, or DreamWorks movies, these like Kung Pao panda or you know something it'll be very similar to the to the mainstream stuff but it'll be a cheap knockoff there's a lot of that on here and that kind of thing um so as is it's interesting but again it's free like what i mean and you don't have to have a subscription you don't have to uh, so if whatever you find there's less ads than a lot of these other services you have to watch a few ads Whatever you find, free ninety nine, my favorite price. Yeah, and 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 with some of those, you just gotta shrug your shoulders and just be like, ah, you get exactly what you pay for. Yes. And it's like, I remember coming across Kung Pao Panda or whatever it was called, and I was saying to myself, this is literally the mommy. Can we have Kung Fu Panda? And the mom's like, oh, we 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 have Kung Fu Panda at home. Kung Pao Panda. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's <laughs> like, no, this is not. This is disturbing. Uh, yeah. Uh, so make sure you watch, watch, make sure you're watching the real deal. <laughs> These invitations. But let's dive in our recommendations. Uh, I have a pretty eclectic mix uh, this month, uh, this week. Uh, so I'll start. My first choice is a movie called Becoming Jane. And this is a movie that is kind of a loosely, it's kind of a, a f fictionalized uh, a portrayal of Jane Austen's life and how it was the inspiration for writing Pride and Prejudice. Uh, that uh, there's some evidence, I think that the James McAvoy character uh, that he was a real person, but a lot of the stuff in the uh, in the in the film is sort of a you know fantasy or or a conjecture based on her letters and things like that. But nevertheless, uh, there's this man named Thomas that she comes in contact with and has this romance with. Uh, Jane Austen played by Anne Hathaway who's a really wonderful actress and it's fun especially if you're an Austenite like I am to kind of hear her story and uh, to, kind of to imagine that you know, she wrote Pride and Prejudice her most iconic novel after this this romance that she had in this this you know because lizzie is such an independent strong character that for her to then uh 
to be inspired by Jane herself uh, for was just kind of fun to think about. And of course it's it's done with all sort of the lushness of a period piece that you want. It's a little dry if I'm completely honest. <laughs> it can be a little boring this one even for me, but I still like it overall and I think it's definitely worth watching if you like these kind of movies. Yeah, I, to show that I am a man of culture, I love pro wrestling, and I've also read Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> it, it's a, it's a great book, and I read it last year because I was like, I've heard nothing but good things. Yeah. I wonder if it's any good, and it turned out to be really good. And so I so so just to show that uh, that Very I can good. From one extreme to the other. <laughs> well, a lot of people kind of dismiss Austin as writing about romance. Not that there's anything wrong with that and not that that's easy it's very difficult but uh but it's not just that uh that her characters are actually the romance is fairly minimal compared to uh kind of what we think of it as like there's almost no romantic dialogue in austin's writing very little only in emma and most of the time when the characters are are being romantic it she says it says something like he said what was appropriate for a man desperately in love or something like that i'm like no i want to know what he said don't say that uh, but she doesn't doesn't tend to have a lot of romantic dialogue she, it's it's all about the characters and in that day and age that was the choice that the characters had was who they were going to marry that's what women had to do and so that's where the drama lies and uh, her characters are very bold for that time. I mean, for spoiler alert to Pride and Prejudice, but for for Lizzie to reject Darcy was incredibly bold of her character to do. And uh, and so her, I think that's what makes them hold up for modern audiences so much, is that her characters are really easy to relate to because they are honest and bold and and true and uh so i i mean i love i love austin i for years and years before i started producing like five podcasts a week i read read all the jane austen books every year all five and i just love them so much so i this was this is not the greatest movie ever made but it's certainly worth a watch in my opinion good acting and uh, yeah. it's fun and, to see uh, that behind the scenes yeah and there ain't nothing wrong with writing romance i mean look at nicholas sparks right. he made an entire career doing that and uh <laughs> there's actually a pretty famous director fun fact that has passed away in the past couple of years that never wanted to do horror movies he wanted to do romance movies and that director was wes craven oh yeah we all know we, we all know him for the hills have eyes and nightmare on elm yeah. street and scream but he always wanted to do romance movies and saw horror as just his foot in the door. But mm -hmm. obviously he became the master of horror for literally his entire career. Yeah. There's actually an in-joke in either Scream 2 or 3, I can't remember which one, where there's a director making the movie within the movie and in an interview he says, oh, uh, I really don't like doing horror movies. I want to do romances. So That's interesting. I, doesn't really have anything to do with Austin, but when uh, when we were talking about you know, ain't nothing wrong with romances, it just that fact just kind of popped into my head. Yeah, and people think it's easy, and it is not. It is definitely very difficult. Uh, so, what's your first pick? 
So my first pick is from 2014, and it is called Draft Day. Uh, this stars Kevin Costner, which, ironically enough, cheap plug, we talked about our best and worst of Kevin Costner last week, and that was a lot of fun, so go mm-hmm. check that out. But in Draft Day, he plays a man named Sonny Weaver Jr., who is the general manager of the Cleveland Browns football team. And this all takes place on one day, the day of the NFL draft. And basically to streamline the whole plot, he basically has to play multiple sides against each other to try to, at the end of the day, get the players that he needs to get in order to win the Super Bowl. I went into this movie with kind of little to no expectations because I think the 2010s were a bit of an off decade for for a Costner. I liked him in movies like Molly's Game and the DCEU and stuff like that, but he picked really weird choices like Three Days to Kill and Criminal and etc. But here, he's actually really good. You can actually feel his frustration like throughout the entire movie because he starts out and he's like, okay, I'm going to make this choice. And literally everybody is trying to sway him there to their side. And he just remains firm in his belief, despite everybody saying you're stupid you're an idiot like you're gonna sink the team he he stays the course this has a pretty loaded cast costner like i mentioned jennifer garner's in there as well she's great uh dennis leary is in there as the bitter as the bitter head coach and he's a lot of fun frank langella has a bit part in there and he's great as well but one of the highlights of the movie at least for me is the late chadwick boseman who plays the star player who just narrowly got edged out of being the number one draft pick, or so he thinks. Uh, he, when I first saw this movie, uh, there's a plot point where, where Bozeman's character kind of, kind of buries Sonny Weaver Jr. on Twitter, and I was thinking, oh, no one would ever do that. And then, of course, in 2020, literally everybody does that. So what did I know? And the back and forth between Bozeman and Costner is so underrated. It's so well done. There's a phone conversation where where Weaver just straight up says, you can't talk about people on Twitter like that. And you just can't. And Bozeman's like, you made the wrong decision. And they just have a great game of like mental chess. And the payoff to that whole story arc is just wonderful. Uh, This is not only a very underrated movie, but a very underrated football movie. And I think I talk about sports movies more than I should on this podcast, but, you know, it is what it is. It's, it's one of those movies that I don't think really a ton of people talk about. And I think people should. Yeah, I really like this movie too. I would say it's definitely underrated. I think that uh, if the exact same script and movie had Aaron Sorkin behind it, it would be huge. Like, oh, it's so amazing. Uh, But because it doesn't have like the name candy, even though it is directed by Ivan Reitman, who's great, of course, did Ghostbusters. Yeah. Uh, And uh, so I, I think it would... I, I think it's it's on that level. I really do. I think it's got a really good script. I think it's very exciting. And I mean, it's such a, 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 uh, there's it's such a, not heated, I can think of it's such an intense day, a uh, perfect place to make this kind of movie because uh, so, so many people are, are, uh, are looking at it and depending on it and so much happens so many decisions happen in a very short period of time uh so yeah i i think i like i said i think this definitely an underrated film with a really great cast and a good script 
and it's well-directed. It's entertaining. It's interesting. You don't have to be into sports because it's not about sports. It's just about the making these decisions in a very short period of time. Yeah, the, the movie kind of feels like like an eight-lane superhighway where everyone's getting off the ramp and then back on and then trying to trying to navigate their way through the various turns and stuff. But at mm-hmm. the end, everybody meets at the very end and everything works out perfectly. It's like setting up a whole thing of dominoes and then knocking them over. It, it's mm-hmm. very satisfying. Yeah, I agree. Well, my next pick is one that we both had. We kind of had a little fight over it. <laughs> I was going to get it. Uh, and it is Shaun the Sheep, the movie. And it, this movie is so cute. Uh, it's uh, based on the television show that they have over there in the UK, Stop Motion Animation, Shaun the Sheep. Basically, in this movie, Shaun the Sheep is bored and wanting to get out of the farm and so they developed the scheme that they are going to go and have a holiday in the big city and when they're there all kinds of shenanigans happen and it really has the feel of a silent movie with something like Buster Keaton or Charlie Chaplin and it's so funny and cute I love the whole sequence when they're going to dinner I think it's hilarious I love the whole thing with the farmer losing his memory and then he becomes a hairstylist and it's great I love the animation I'm a huge stop motion nut and I really enjoyed Farmageddon this year as well which is the follow-up to Shaun the Sheep a movie but this one I just it's delightful yeah, Farmageddon gave us an alien that's giving Baby Yoda a run for its oh, money. Oh, yes. Apartment. Mm-hmm. Good Lord, that thing is adorable. But mm-hmm. yeah, Shaun the Sheep, the movie, is uh, it is really, really, really good. I saw this with my friend who now lives in Maine. Uh, he and I went to our local theater to see it. We were like the only people in there, which was sad. Uh-huh. But both of us really, really, really enjoyed it. And it's sad because, like you mentioned, Rachel, uh, the animation in this is absolutely fantastic. I mean, it's from Ardman Studios, so of course it's going to be excellent. But uh, but unfortunately, they're kind of in like like the position that like Leica Studios is in, that their movies are all incredibly respected, yet nobody really goes to see them. And that I think that's just very sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can't understand why. I mean, Leica I understand more because their films tend to be darker and and uh, not for you know little little kids and so I, I guess i can understand that but i don't i don't understand with the Ardman. their films have been so delightful and funny and i mean I, i'm hoping it, with this chicken run too that it kind of uh gets people back kind of in team uh, Ardman because it just doesn't seem like they are able to get the momentum that uh uh, that this even sort of really terrible CGI movies are able to somehow get. I mean, it just is bizarre. Uh, and I don't know if it's just stop motion is out of fashion or I don't know what it is because this movie was so cute. It's so funny. And uh, I I don't know. Every, every kid who actually does watch it that I've ever sort of really likes it. So what are you going to do? But uh yeah. So what's your next pick? Yeah. One more note before we move on. Literally every piece of dialogue in Shaun the Sheep, the movie is like, uh-huh, uh-huh, and <laughs> or right. like, oh, and it's, 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 it's pantomime, but, 
like you said, it, it's like it's like a combination of Buster Keaton's action with like Charlie Chaplin's storytelling. Or yeah. I think you said something like yeah. that. Yeah, that's that's right. That's uh, that's what I think, at least for sure. Um, all right. What's your next pick? So my next pick is from 2015, and it is called Black Mass. Uh, this is the true story of a very, very dark and dangerous human being in the form of James Whitey Bulger, uh, who was about as close to a mafia figure as we'll ever get, at least in like our modern time, if you want to count the 1980s as our modern time. Uh, Whitey Bulger was played by Johnny Depp, and I will stand firm on this hill in that this is Johnny Depp's very best performance. Uh, for a literal human decade, he essentially played Captain Jack Sparrow just with a different coat of paint on, literally. And his dialogue could all just be reduced to, I'm sorry, have I threatened you before? And, and, it, and he just disappeared into this caricature of Captain Jack Sparrow, but he's an Indian this time and Captain Jack Sparrow, but oh, he's the Mad Hatter now. And just, it, it's a facepalm because it's a facepalm moment because Johnny Depp is an excellent actor. Well, Black Mass was where he finally reclaimed, reclaimed his throne. Uh, he disappears into this role. Like Whitey Bulger is just a horrible person. Like he just stands there with his arms crossed all the time, looking condescending at you. And just, he knows that he's three steps ahead of literally everyone else and has the creepiest laugh you would ever see. He would be like, <laughs> and you're just like, remind me to stay socially distanced away from you. And, and Johnny Depp absolutely just nails it. Also in this movie is Joel Edgerton. And of course, Joel Edgerton is awesome in everything he's in, but this is the Johnny Depp show. My one complaint is that I wish the movie were longer. I could go for this, but in like the Godfather type of length where it's like three hours and five minutes of the true rise, then like the, then like the climax and then the fall because the fall of Whitey Bulger is just like a couple scenes and then we get a where, where did he end up, which was very sad. But at the end of the day, Black Mass is one of those movies that that it, it's a very underrated in terms of mob or gangster movies or whatever we're calling them nowadays. And uh, again, it's Johnny Depp's very best. There we go. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Uh, <laughs> seen the movie. So that's that's a really interesting. Uh, you want the Irishman, but in uh, Black Mass. <laughs> well, at, 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 the very, at the very least, I can buy that Johnny Depp is is around that same age and not Robert De Niro right. 70s but just had his face smoothed over in photoshop that's but that, true. that's that's another conversation for another time <laughs> all right well talk about as you like to say a hard left uh <laughs> for my next one so it's christmas time so perfect time to watch a hallmark classic called all i want for christmas and this wasn't made by hallmark because it was 2007 before hallmark channel even existed but they have uh, it airing and it's considered kind of a hallmark classic so this movie is such a good movie i love it and uh, it stars gail o'grady and robert Milhouse. and basically they're like bffs of course he 
kind of is is in love with her but he's just sort of settled for that they're just going to be bffs and he's basically like the surrogate father for her son and uh but she's she's kind of depressed but like not that much because she's a widow and she just kind of accepted that she's not going to find anybody and she's just gotten kind of used to this this relationship with this guy anyway so one day her son enters this video contest where there's they have to answer what they want for christmas so he sends in the video and it's all i want for christmas is a new husband for my mom and so they get really really excited and and they pick they select him and so she starts going on all these dates uh and of course as she's like dating uh for the contest it's making the robert mailhouse character very uncomfortable (laughs) and then she meets uh the son of the head of the toy company that is that is sponsoring the contest and they start dating and things just get all kinds of messy and it's just really cute if you want a a very 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 fun romantic christmas movie uh then this is this is where you go this is this is classic yeah this uh this is automatically a good christmas movie because it's directed by a man whose last name is frost (laughs) yeah good point that's true I wonder how his son Jack is doing. You know, he seemed pretty precocious in that movie, Rise of the Guardians. <laughs> yeah, I think if they didn't name his kid Jack, that'd be a real missed opportunity. I mean, come on. I would love to be a fly on the wall during roll call in elementary school. It'd be like Erickson, Emery, <laughs> Frost, <Yeah>. here. <laughs> and he did a bunch of old school. He hasn't done anything for a long time, but some fan favorites for, for Hallmark Channel. Things like Let It Snow, which is a big favorite. Uh, he did uh, this, another one called Love is a Four-Letter Word, uh, which is a favorite. So this one is good, though. It really is very sweet. And the whole idea of the reason why she does the the contest is that she works, she runs a, a soup kitchen. And so they're hoping that the exposure with the soup kitchen will bring in more donations and everything like that and so yeah it's it's really cute <laughs> i think they would like it and you said this was made before hallmark was a thing yet hallmark shows it every year yeah it's um the when did hallmark channel because i think i think when it we was were... before countdown to christmas long before let me find out when hallmark channel first christmas movie that they ever did because like when they were first starting back in like back in 2005 2006 they were totally different they were doing like they're actually science fiction and there's all these weird sci-fi movies (laughs) like end of the world and stuff like that and they also aired star trek when they first started hallmark channel and yeah they were like the home of star trek and uh and then uh they started the mysteries channel in 2005 and then the very first christmas movie uh i think was in 2006 on 2005 it was meet the santas um and then but but countdown to christmas didn't start 
until um, like 2000 and that was 2013, I think. Um, Anyway, you don't care about all this, but, but it was not the Hummer channel like we know today. Coming up next on Hallmark, Hallmark Movies and Mysteries, Star Trek, The Next Generation. Right. It's true. <laughs> it's really true. Uh, and they had a, like a period where they were, they were strictly a religious channel. And uh, yeah, so they've had a lot of, a lot of variations that have gone on with Hallmark Channel. It's pretty interesting that, uh, that yeah, they they have some really funny. They even have a pandemic movie that we reviewed on the on Hallmark's podcast from. Uh, oh God! Already? Yeah. <laughs> no, it was way back in a uh, in two thousand seven. They had a pandemic. I'm telling you, they went through like the oh. sci fi phase that. Uh, uh that anyway so we covered it on the podcast in march <laughs> gonna say Pandemic. those people at hallmark they have a crystal ball and they're hiding <laughs> from us yeah it has um tiffany amber Thiessen, uh or tiffany Thiessen. i don't know what she called now but anyway <laughs> um but it really this all back to the point uh, the this all i want for christmas is really cute movie it's really good about this kid he writes he makes this movie he makes this video he wants his mom to find a husband it's very cute <laughs> Totes adores. yes so what is your next pick so my next pick is from 2017 and uh, this is the last movie in the 2010s i promise <laughs> and uh and this was uh this was one of my favorite movies of that year that nobody talked about and it was called wind river uh, this was mm -hmm. written and directed by Taylor Sheridan. Uh, Taylor Sheridan is best known for writing the script for Hell or High Water, a movie that I have talked about in our top, in our favorite and least favorite of Ben Foster videos. Uh, and he also wrote the screenplay for Sicario from Denis Villeneuve. And Wind River was his, was his outing where he wrote and actually directed it as well. It tells the story of a wildlife uh, ranger played by Jeremy Renner who learns of a brutal rape and murder happening on the Wind River Indian Reservation. And so he goes and investigates alongside an FBI agent played by uh, Scarlet, Scarlet Elizabeth. Witch, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Olsen. Olsen. <laughs> and, uh, this movie, I think, was unfortunately sweeped under the rug just a tad bit because it was released around October of 2017, and we all know what happened in October of 2017, considering that this movie was distributed by the Weinstein Company, and I'll let you put two and two together to create four. But I think that's a shame because this is actually a low-key, very excellent movie. Uh, Sheridan made it because he felt that he wanted to bring attention to the fact that a lot of Native American women are unfortunately victims of sexual assault. And they actually have a title card at the end of the movie that says, there's a study that keeps track of every, of, of every race and gender that are the victim of sexual assault. And they make a point of saying Native American women is currently unknown. And that just struck such a chord with me because it's like, 
got a really well-made movie. It was very well shot, very well acted. And then they leave you with the message of, with a message like that. It's, it's a movie with a message, but it's not like directly in your face. You know, it's, they do, they do a good movie first and then they leave you with something to think about. I Mm -hmm. liked that. I liked the spirit of that. Uh, Jeremy Renner is of course really good in the movie and Elizabeth Olsen is as well. Uh, the movie looks tremendous. I think Taylor Sheridan's all of Ter- Taylor Sheridan's movies, all of them that he's been involved with, have looked absolutely excellent. And he's actually said that this was a part of an unofficial trilogy that also involved Sicario and Hell or High Water that he called the new story of the American frontier. Which again, it's unofficial, but I just like the sound of that. Uh, I think Wind River was the victim of unfortunate timing because of everything that happened with the whole Weinstein thing. But I think if it had come out at literally any other point in that year or the previous year or the year after that, I think it would have gotten significantly more buzz. And I'm sad that it didn't because it was really good. Yeah, it's a really good movie. It does a great job of establishing atmosphere and tone, which you definitely need for this kind of piece. Um, My only flaw with the movie, I would say, is that I think the writing on Elizabeth Olsen's character could have been a little bit better. She's supposed to be this investigator brought in as a special, uh, as, as a special uh, investigator that's an expert, and she doesn't like know to bring a coat with her you know like there's some stuff that's just kind of like um okay i i i don't know i so that was my only problem with the movie but i still overall i really thought it was an excellent film so Uh, yeah that that's totally understandable i uh i that's something i never really considered because it was a not out of anything like on purpose i just was i just never really thought about that before yeah yeah, but definitely worth watching. I recommend it. It's good. Okay, so then my next uh, suggestion is a, a little bit of an obscure animated film. Maybe we even do it for obscure animation. I would be up for it. It's pretty good. It's called Jack and the Cuckoo Clock Heart. And this comes out of France. It's actually based on this album by this french rock band called dianosis i guess dianosis or however you say it in french um and it's about this boy who is born with a frozen heart and so he gets a clock put in in for his heart and uh he's given the rules of the heart is that he can never play with the hands of the heart of the clock and he can't lose his temper and he cannot fall in love. And of course, those rules create all kinds of problems. <laughs> and this has, it's beautiful. The animation is really nice. Uh, and of course, the music is really good. They do a great job incorporating the music. And uh, it's, a, it's an unusual, interesting, fun story. Uh, and so I think uh, it's, it's worth a watch. It's beautiful. Uh, and uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, when I was doing my research, I, I saw a thing on IMDb that said, you can watch this on Shout Factory TV. And I was saying to myself, oh, Shout Factory is where they have all the, all the obscure horror movies from like the late 70s and the early 80s. I wouldn't have 
been able to see, uh, I probably wouldn't have been able to see the howling without Shout Factory or the fog. So I owe those, I owe those guys a lot. They, uh, they really, they really do a good job with stuff like that. So I'll definitely have to check out, uh, I'll definitely have to check out Jack and the Cuckoo Clock Heart. That's, yeah. that's all. I know how to say words. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. I, I, I enjoyed it. So what's your next pick? So my next pick is from 1969, and it is called Destroy All Monsters. Uh, this, this was supposed to be the end of the Japanese Godzilla movies from Toho, but obviously that didn't happen. I'll explain that in a little bit. Uh, the plot of the movie is that in 1999, the Earth has achieved world peace. And all of the world's monsters, Godzilla, Gigan, uh, uh the son of Godzilla, uh, Mothra, all of them are living on an island, ironically also called Monster Island. But an alien race comes down and, and takes over the minds of all of these monsters and forces them to invade all of Earth's cities. And just when they think they have them under control, they bring in their secret weapon, Ghidra, the three-headed monster, which is a space dragon who can breathe lightning. Stay with me, I promise. The, the movie is similar to like today's modern Godzillas in that it has a little bit maybe too much of a focus on the humans. There's a big subplot about the humans trying to break the mind control of the aliens so that Godzilla and Mothra and all of them can fight for their side. But once the last 30 minutes hits, oh, business picks up in a good way because this is a royal rumble of just of, of monsters that that's just so satisfying to watch. It's Ghidra, a three-headed space dragon that can breathe lightning versus Mothra, a giant moth, stay with me, a giant turtle, Godzilla, his son, whose only real weapon is a smoke ring that can strangle somebody. I know. And it's just, it, it's supremely cheesy, but it's also, it's also in the best way possible. It, it, it's, they don't really make movies like this anymore with with just dudes in suits. This would all be done with CGI today. But it just, I recommend it because it is such a showing of ingenuity on the part of Toho to take all of their monsters, except for King Kong, which is technically universal, and throw them all together as to say, all right, these will never be shown again, so let's go out in style. And obviously, uh, Obviously, Godzilla movies are still being made in Japan to this day with Shin Godzilla in 2016, and they just made an announcement of a sequel to that coming very soon. And of course, there's being got Godzilla movies being made in America from Legendary Studios. So the last Godzilla movie was a bit of a white lie, but they, but this movie is a lot of fun. It's uh, you don't really have to have seen the first Godzilla or any of the of the other MonsterVerse movies to really understand. Uh, it, it's it's helpful, but if you're just there to see see monsters just beat the crap out of each other, then this is for you. Cool. I have to admit, I have never heard of this one. This was new to me, so that's exciting. It sounds like a lot of fun. I I like monster movies when they're done well. I just I I have not liked most of this recent Godzilla. I haven't really liked any of them, to be perfectly frank. Uh, they're not my cup of tea, uh, but when they are done well, it can be fun. 
so <laughs> Ken to take a hard left. Uh, <laughs> Rena is <laughs> my final choice. Uh, final recommendation is a musical. Yay. Called The Slipper and the Rose. And this is a very underrated musical. This is a take on Cinderella. And so back when I very first started my channel, I did a whole series on Cinderella. That was the first series I ever did. And, uh, and so I covered the slipper on the rose. I've talked about it a lot on my channel. I love slipper in the rose. It's so funny and so char charming. And it has songs from the Sherman brothers who, uh, of course were most famous for Disney and Mary Poppins and, and they're, they're charming and fun. And, and they, they have a pretty empowered Cinderella. I would say like instead of him, finding her and kind of rescuing her she has she's actually the one that has to decide to go back to him because uh, he's gonna be a part of a, a not very happy marriage and so she has to decide what she's going to do and uh and so the ending's pretty good and uh, it's just really charming especially the music yeah, I had never heard of this one, and I and I thought that I had been a, I had been appraised on all of the live action Cinderella movies. I knew about Ever Ever After and a lot of the other made for TV ones, but this is one that I had never heard of. Mm -hmm. I think you'd like it. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So, what is your last pick? So my last pick is from nineteen, having a brain fart. It is it, my, let me start over. So my last pick is one of my all time favorite musicals uh, to tie into the whole musical connection. It is Guys and Dolls. Uh, this, is, uh, this is one of my favorite musicals ever. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a movie to me that just never gets old. Uh, it tells the story of, of a gambler named Sky Masterson played by Marlon Brando who makes a bet with another gangster named Nathan Detroit, played by Frank Sinatra. We all know who he is. Uh, the bet is that if, if he, being Scott, being Marlon Brando's character, Sky Masterson, can take out this, this church girl, uh, I, and now I can't remember her name, uh, and if, if he can take this church girl to Havana for a night, then he'll win $1,000. And Sky Masterson being like, I've never met a challenge that I didn't like. He he decides to take take him up on it. Turns out to be a lot harder than he imagined. This is one of those musicals that I came across very early, and so it's really it's really seated up there in my head. Uh, I've been in several productions of it. I was a musical theater kid growing up, so I've been in several productions of it, and. It's it's one of those musicals that nobody talks about, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think everybody should. It's especially sad because it stars two all timers in Marlon Brando and in Frank Sinatra. I mean, Marlon Brando would win Oscars for Streetcar Named Desire and Godfather, and Frank Sinatra is one of the best voices of all time. Like he had a he had a golden throat, and we'll never see another like him. Yeah, we need to just do an all musical episode one of these days because I forget that. that that would be fun. I'd be down for that. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, so <laughs> this movie, I mean, Marlon Brando is not the best singer in the world, but he, he tries. He, he tries. He gets, he gets his point across. <laughs> yeah, he's certainly but, not 
he's certainly not in Sinatra's shoe closet when it comes to the singing thing, but he, <laughs> but he it's, certainly it's, gets from point A to point B. He's yeah. certainly not as bad as people have made him out to be. And they 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 were able to make the arrangements, I think, work. And that's the biggest key. If you're going to have non-singers, then you need to put it in their range and so that it'll sound good. Unlike in Beauty and the Beast 2017. Uh, and uh, and then recourse and undefined. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, they they have really fun you know arrangements and choreography and and this there's so many good songs in guys and dolls i don't think people even realize all the good songs like sit down your walk rock in the boat such a great song and luck be a lady even sung by Marlon Brando is really good and uh, um if i the um the uh, what is it uh, if i were a bird i'd be singing and uh that that she sings that song and of course oh, I, I, I know the one if i were bell if i were bell i'd be ringing and i love uh adelaide's lament i even have a version of me singing adelaide's lament at a recital on my channel <laughs> uh, <laughs> i did my best don't judge uh but uh but i love that song and uh the uh vivian blaine i would play the role of adelaide on broadway and uh it's, she's the best psychosomatic symptoms difficult to endure <laughs> uh yeah. so i i love this movie i think it's so good yeah, and this movie was directed by Joseph L. Mankiewicz, who also directed a little movie called All About Eve, which, I mean, mm -hmm. that, that says it all right there. And it was also written by him, so of course the dialogue is absolutely spot on. Uh, one, of my, one of my favorite jokes in the movie is that all the gangsters are waiting for the crap game to start, and then this cop that's been on them, and now I can't remember his name. I'm having a hard time today. <laughs> but, but the cop that's always after him... Ran again. Thank you. Uh, Lieutenant Brannigan catches up with them and they see them all waiting around wearing their red carnations. And he comes oh, across yeah. uh, and, and he comes across the gangster Big Julie. I'd like you to meet Big Julie from Chicago. And, and and Brannigan is like, and who are you supposed to be? And Big Julie's like, I'm a scout master. And Brannigan's like, don't ever walk my mother across the street. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it'd be tricky now because like the whole idea of people sort of betting over women is a little not PC these days. But like if there was a way they could make it and, you know, work it, I think it could be a really fun modern musical. I would enjoy it. If that's for sure. I mean, I love I, I love musicals, so. Uh, so. And, and this movie has one of my, I, I'm sorry to cut you off, no, I just right. remember this. This has one of my favorite fight scenes in any musical ever when, when, uh, when, when, when Sarah Brown, the, the church lady goes to Havana uh, with, with Sky Masterson, she gets really drunk off of drinking, you know, all those, uh, all those drinks with the coconuts in them. I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> right now. And they just get into this massive street fight with all of, with the Cuban people. And there's something about fights that were made in like the late fifties and the early sixties that just, they were filmed in brilliant, like widescreen as possible. They, and, and it's clear that 
that that the that the swap and the swap sound effects were added in post but just the timing is just perfect and it, it just turns into this big bar fight that ends with sky and sarah running out into the street i i could talk about this movie for hours i love mm-hmm. this movie to yeah piece. it's really fun uh, so there we go. That is our picks on Tubi. Let us know if you've checked out the service. If you've watched anything fun, let us know in the comment section. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And if you've seen any of these films, would love to hear uh, what you think of them. So thanks so much. It's always so much fun. And uh, and Ryan, how can people find you? They can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at RyanCam20. Then there's, of course, my YouTube channel, which is RyanCam. Uh, I've been doing episode reviews for The Mandalorian. That's been a lot of fun. Those will be dropping Friday afternoons. And then, of course, the AFI project is still going strong. Uh, My reviews for those, uh, for the Philadelphia story, Intolerance, and The Lord of the Rings are going to be coming down the pike. The, The Fellowship of the Ring, I should... I should preface I'm not reviewing all three, though I kind of want to, but I know I gotta, I gotta stick to the list. So you're just doing the first one? That the first, the, the first one's the only one on that list. Oh. And I checked several times over. I'm like, two towers in Return of the King have gotta be on here somewhere, and no, they're not. I'm surprised they wouldn't have gone with the last one since that's the Oscar winner. <sighs> me, me too, but. Mm-hmm. I, I keep hearing rumblings that they may redo the list because of, you it's know. It's been a while. They need to. That Because the one that I'm doing is from 2007. And even then, that that's was old. redo. So. Yeah. I, yeah, that's a long time. That's a really long time. So they should. Anyway, that sounds great. I look forward to seeing all those reviews. Some some really good movies there. Make sure y'all are subscribed. And uh, you can follow me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. So check that out. And also make sure you're following the Hallmarkies podcast. We have some really great interviews coming up and uh, just incredible coverage. We're going to just have so many episodes coming up because there's a movie every single day on Hallmark Channel Thanksgiving week. So it's going to be super, super busy. Uh, but uh, so ch- make sure that you're subscribed over there. Also have our Patreon group where we have watch alongs where you get behind the scenes details of movies and you get asked questions. It's really fun. And and, uh, and then also have our merch store, which has tons of new designs, festive designs. I, I'm really proud of our little store over there. So check that out. And uh, thanks again so much, uh, Ryan, for doing this. And we'll see you all next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.